passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The Super Bowl may be over, but you can make every game feel like the big game at Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all sports betting this season. Little bit of a down period here in the sports realm, but they have everything from pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. With live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable, Bet online is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and you'll receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's that easy. Just make sure to use promo code believe that's B L E A V to receive your rewards. Betonline.ag where the game starts. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden. No Ovi today, as will be the case uh, for most of the offseason, like it was last offseason. Uh, Ovi will be joining us periodically, probably around once a month, uh, around kind of bigger events to give his unique perspective as a former player, all that stuff, but busy schedule. So we respect his time during the offseason uh, as a former player. He's used to that cycle. He goes into hibernation. Um, so that is where he is, but don't worry because once a week as we do this on Wednesdays, I will be getting guests to fill in as I can, uh, a great guest today. I'm going to be sitting down with pro football focuses, Trevor Sikama, uh, who's one of the draft analysts over there and does an incredible job, uh, just really breaking down the draft, letting me know, letting everybody in the world know, honestly, because everybody uses pro football focus as a resource. In fact, their draft guide for 2023 just dropped. So go download that. Um, but everybody uses them as a resource. And Trevor is part of the team that does such a great job. So this is a little bit of a bigger picture overview as draft season is really just starting. I wanted to get you guys a primer um, and just a little bit of what does this class look like? What are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? And how does that line up with what Atlanta needs and what Atlanta might do? We talk quarterbacks. We talk edge rushers. Um, so stay tuned for that. Before we get to Trevor, though, I wanted to just touch on some of the news that has developed since I've been gone. Um, Ryan Nielsen taking over as defensive coordinator. You know, I, I don't think it's the move that like wins headlines, but as I've become more experienced in, in this league, I've learned that very rarely is it the move that looks incredibly smart at the time because it's two people whose you know names are really 
in the media and there's been a lot of buzz generated about him and they're the two candidates fighting for this job. Meanwhile, there's a third kind of uninspiring person who sneaks in in the last minute and gets the role and everybody's maybe losing their minds. Sometimes that third guy turns out to be awesome. Sometimes they go with one of the flashier names and it turns out not necessarily working. That happens all the time. So Ryan Nielsen wasn't maybe one of the hot young defensive coordinators kind of on the market uh, or position coaches that were looking to make that next big step. To some, he was. And he should have been, I think, to a lot more people because he's a very, very good coach. If you look at what he has accomplished in New Orleans. And so I think that most importantly, though, because a lot of points have been made about the four, three, the three, four guys, that does not matter. That really does not matter for number one reason. Most teams are playing nickel like 75% of the time. There's so many defensive backs on the field nowadays that it simply just doesn't matter. Fronts are changing all of the time. And the Falcons are a defense. Arthur Smith from the beginning wanted a, a defense that is capable of being multiple. They want hybrid players, guys that can do a number of different things, whether it's stand up and rush the passer on one play or drop back into the flats on the next. It's all about disguising, not giving the offense any type of indication because offenses are so good now at making a defense show its hand with pre-snap motion. We saw it in the Super Bowl and we saw how the Chiefs, you know, they used that pre-snap motion more to kind of gain like a leverage advantage and it was masterful. I mean, those two touchdowns where were the just a half motion and then quick shoot back and just get the ball out quickly. Amazing design. That's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking just the simple motion, identify man zone, things like that. Offenses have so many tools to make the game easy for quarterbacks. Defenses have to confuse the quarterback after the snap. So having guys that can look like they're going to do one thing, but then do something equally well after the snap is really the key to success in today's NFL on defense. So I think that Ryan Nielsen, based on some of his comments during the uh, press conference uh, introducing him, sounds like you know he's totally comfortable with that, that he is very much looking forward to working with the players that the Falcons have. Uh, obviously, he has to. You know, they're, they're under contract, but I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if there are a couple names that might be surprising that are on the move this offseason that aren't necessarily free agents because the Falcons probably are going to shape their defense to be a little bit more tailored to what, you know, Ryan Nielsen and the staff that he will finish building at some point. Uh, as of now, you know, it, it's not complete. They're going to have their own preferences and they'll get players in here. Um, most importantly, I think they're going to get guys on the defensive line who know how to rush the passer. And this is really the crux of why I think he's in here. And it reminds me a little bit of when Dirk Cutter came in and in, uh, you know, 2011, 12, I can't remember. I believe it was 11. And they, you know, really, really went pass heavy after the years of Mike Malarkey and just kind of the run offense. They opened things up uh, after kind of a lot of fans being like, why are we not allowing our offense to really explode? We've got a young quarterback. Let's do all that stuff. This is a little bit of like, we really need to get this defensive line going. Who's a coach who has a track record of making that happen? It's Ryan Nielsen. Let's go get him. Let's let's just throw it all at this position of need, at this area of need. Let's go get the guy who's proven it. He joined the Saints in 2017 working with their defensive line. Since then, the Saints have ranked 6th, 4th, ninth, 3rd, 6th, and 4th in adjusted sack rate, according to Football Outsiders. 
in 2017 or since 2017, these are their sack totals each season, 42, 49, 51, 45, 46, 48. So since Ryan Nielsen joined New Orleans, they did not have less than 42 sacks. The Falcons in the last 15 years, their best season sack total is 39. So yeah, Ryan Nielsen's coming in here to get sacks. Everybody's aware of that. Um, But he also says he wants a smart football team. He wants a smart defense. They don't want to beat themselves. Something that Arthur Smith has echoed as well. So yeah, I I agree with the move. I think it's going to be interesting, but also I just trust, uh, you know, that Terry Fano clearly knows him well. Arthur Smith, you know, he's done nothing so far to not earn my trust and my belief. So let's see what Ryan Nielsen can do. Um, I'm excited to watch him and and kind of see how this defense changes this offseason. One way it could really change, safety Jesse Bates uh, kind of made, made some social media headlines this week when it was tweeted out or on Instagram that Kyle Pitts, uh, Casey Hayward, and A.J. Terrell out with Jesse Bates, perhaps courting him uh, to come to Atlanta. He is the top safety, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, available in free agency. In fact, uh, in an article in January, Pro Football Focus listed Atlanta as the best fit for Jesse Bates, basically saying that you move on from Jalen Hawkins and uh, and that Richie Grant, you know, is is there and that's where you build your your secondary around and that everywhere is a need for Atlanta. And I totally agree with that. So there's really not any place that you want to start. <laughs> you just say, hey, if if Jesse Bates fits what we're doing and he's very reliable and that's what Arthur Smith wants in a team, don't beat yourself. Be smart. Be there in the end. Be in the mix. Give yourself a chance and then make the play. Jesse Bates has been on the field since he joined the league. Like He has been very durable, very reliable. He's a good tackler. He's good in coverage. There's not much that he does really poorly. You know, there, There's not much that he does at the most elite of levels, but he does everything at a pretty high level, and he does it consistently. And that's a great building block for Atlanta secondary. So... Heck yeah, recruit away. I also, I love this era that we're in where dudes can just openly on social media be like, yeah, now nah, we're taking Matt to dinner. Come come to the ATL. You know, you can have Devontae Adams just, Aaron Rodgers, he's moving in, uh, he's living in my neighborhood. Yeah, no, come get me, Roger. What's up? Uh, <laughs> I love this. I, I think it's great. So that's it. Uh, that's it for my opening. Thank you guys so much for uh, for sticking around for all that. Let's get to my conversation with Trevor Sigma, and I will see you guys on the backside. Trevor Sigma joins me now, a draft analyst at Pro Football Focus, which is one of the coolest jobs out there, honestly, and the co-host of the PFF Stock Exchange with Connor Rogers. Uh, Trevor, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Well, always good to uh, talk some ball with you, my friend. And being back on this podcast means it must be draft season. So it means it's a great time of year as well. So I appreciate you having me, man. It must be draft season. And I know draft season is incredibly busy for you. Uh, in fact, it may have been the first time that we met in person uh, was the Senior Bowl 2019. Yeah, I think so. Jalen Hurts uh, is here. What year Whichever that one that been, is. That would have been 2020. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think that was, was 2020 because then because then we COVID I missed right around the, the corner, baby. <laughs> yeah. And then I missed the senior bowl the year after that because of uh, of COVID and travel restrictions and everything. So that must have been it. It must have been that 2020 season. Man, crazy how, you know, everything like 
it's just two uh, roads diverged in the woods from where <laughs> it seemed like everything was heading and then where everything actually uh, all went. But yeah, so Senior Bowl, Super Bowl, draft season. I mean, all of draft season is crazy busy for you guys, but I have to imagine, like, is are you coming out of one of the busiest stretches of, of your calendar year? Yeah, I would say that certainly when it comes to draft season, I mean, Connor and I do the Stock Exchange podcast year round. So, I mean, we're, we're studying the draft even while the NFL season is going on, but there's no doubt about it. Like once the interest starts to really ramp up and you get the the final games being played in college football, um, you get the declaration date that passes. So, you know exactly who's going to be in the draft class. And then, of course, I think the big moment of where it really starts to get super busy is um, when that non-playoff team order gets set, because then you really mm. get a good idea of what teams are, who, who's picking where, what players they might prioritize. And then of course, you know, you get in a shrine bowl, you get in a senior bowl, you get in a combine and you're just, you're trying to watch as much as you can. You're trying to pump out as much content as you can. So there's no doubt about it. We're, we're in the heart of busy season right now, but it's the best kind of season. Cause I get to do stuff like this and get to talk about the draft. So it's all good. No, oh, that's a great mentality to have. But um, yeah, it's like a domino effect, right? The draft. So like you get to know the order and then you're like, all right, well, this changes everything because we could know yes. just player wise, we could set up a big board and be like, here are the 100 best players, but order determines so much when it comes to the NFL draft. So, you know, let's let's kind of start there. The Falcons, similar spot, <laughs> unfortunately, for the third year in a row. And Terry Fontenot, Arthur Smith said, hey, we don't anticipate having too many. They may have said top five, but for all intents and purposes, we can just say top 10. Sure. They're, they're here again. Um, but how does this draft class stack up to years previously? Are we looking at the same type of caliber player as a Kyle Pitts and a Drake London at eight, or is, is this going to be a little bit of a different year? Well, I think it, you know, to answer that question, the way that you said it, like, are you looking at a Kyle Pitts or Drake London? Like, I think that time will tell, right. I, my initial answer to your question is, no, it's not as strong of a draft class as it has been in years past, specifically when you stack it up against what last year's class was. And um, there have been a couple of classes before that have been really, really talented. And this feels like, you know, in the peaks and valleys of different draft classes, it feels a little bit closer to a valley than a peak. And, and again, that's not to say that the Falcons can't get a really good player at number eight. It's just maybe not as guaranteed as it has been in years past, right? I think I was having this conversation with somebody the other day where, um, oh, actually it was a comment on our on our podcast. We went through a mock draft episode and somebody pointed out, they're like, hey, you have this player going, I can't remember who it was, but let's say number 21 overall. But mm-hmm. a couple episodes earlier in a position ranking episode, you didn't say that they were worth a first round pick. So what gives? Well, there might not be 32, or in this year's case, 31 first round grades total in the class. Sometimes there's sometimes there's 40. Sometimes there's 15. You just don't yeah. know. And I think for this year, we're getting, I, I, I got to imagine that I'll probably have somewhere around 20 first round grades of players in, in this class. Whereas in previous seasons, I've been closer to 40. So it might not be as much of a home run that the Falcons come away with a difference maker at number eight, but there's no doubt about it. There, there are still difference makers in this class that they could select. They just might have to be a little bit more careful and detailed about who they end up picking there. I cannot believe that you moved Jay Kaner all the way up to 21 after the senior <laughs> bowl. That is bold, my friend. 
That is bold. Jake's my boy. I've talked to Jake a couple of times for some for some uh, some feature interviews. Maybe now you know I don't like him enough to pick him twenty one overall, but I do like Hater. So you know he's he's part of the reason when we look at the quarterback class and we talk top end talent, but also there's a little more depth certainly this year than probably last year. But overall, this class, what are we looking at depth wise? Is this going to be one where you know you only have fifteen first round grades, but maybe you've got seventy eight? kind of like day two grades like what what are we looking at here yeah i think it's gonna be strong kind of in the mid rounds right and i i don't again i think i'll probably end up somewhere between 15 to 20 first round grades in this class i think i'm gonna get a lot of like end of day two early (laughs) day three mid round grades on a lot of these players but of course players have to go in the order in which the teams come up to select them so i would say that when i look at this class kind of as a whole if i take a step back i think that the quarterbacks especially the guys who are the top four are giving us plenty to talk about and a lot of franchise mm-hmm. intrigue for those guys. And so that's always fun when that's the case. I think running back is very deep yet again. It feels like that's a trend that we're seeing almost every single year, how talented the running back class is, but I think it's another good one this year. Tight end class at, at the top, especially, I think it's really talented. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, Luke Musgrave, um, Darnell Washington, Michael Mayer, yeah. um, Tucker Craft. Like there's so many good tight ends that I think you can pick. So I think tight end is pretty strong as well. Wide receiver, not nearly as strong as we've seen in years past. I, I think that there's a handful of guys that you could pick as wide receiver one in this class. And no matter who you ask, I think that all of them would probably tell you they would be wide receiver five or six at best from last year's class. So it's a wow. little bit of a down year for the pass catchers. Um, offensive line is fine. I think there's a decent amount of good offensive linemen at the top, but maybe not as deep of a group as it has been in years past. Edge rusher defensive line, I think is kind of the same thing, although I think it's really thin at interior defensive line. Honestly, like outside of Jalen Carter, the Georgia defensive tackle at number one, you're, you're, you're hoping that guys improve in a lot of different areas for interior defensive line. But I think that corner is also very, very strong in this class. So uh, quarterback running back tight end and corner, I think are the strongest four positions that we have for this group. So of those four, certainly corner stands out to me as maybe the Falcons biggest need on that list. But the glaring need with a bullet is pass rusher, edge Mm -hmm. rusher. If they choose to go that way, you know, I guess it could come from the interior, but Grady Jarrett's fine. Taquan Graham, you know, had a pretty good second year before he got hurt. So like, I think they're better on the interior with smaller guys. They probably need a a big beefy dude in the middle. Um, Mm -hmm. So what are we looking at in terms of the edge guys at number eight? And, And really in terms of this draft, do you think it, better suits Atlanta to go get their number one guy in free agency and then maybe look at a couple of guys later on in the draft or how are you maybe thinking about this for Atlanta? Yeah, if I'm Atlanta, that's that that sounds like the best game plan to really try to throw some money at some of the pass rushers that are going to be out there in free agency. And that's not to say that you might not even double dip. Like if a one if one that you really like at number eight is still there and you spent money on a pass mm-hmm. rusher, that's okay. I mean, the Falcons they just need, need to get better. <laughs> right, right. They need to get better at rushing the passer. So it's not like they can either sign or draft one guy and be like, all right. We're good to go. Everything's fixed. So I could see them definitely um, putting a lot of resources into pass rushing, especially edge pass rushing. Um, But, you know, I don't even though I don't love the value of the edge rushers after Will Anderson in the top 10. There are a lot of really nice edge rushers who I think might be available at the top of round two as well. So, you know, let's say that they go out and they sign a free agent uh, pass rusher, edge player, whoever it's going to be. 
And then at number eight, that frees them up to maybe go get a corner, a secondary player at number eight, which I think might be a little bit better for the value. And then you could come around to the top of the second round, and there's going to be guys like Will McDonald, BJ Ojumari, mm-hmm. uh, Felix Anudike Ozuma, uh, maybe even a Keon White that I think could be available for them at 45, although 45 is a little bit further. They're, though, not all those guys might be on the board, but one right. or two of them might be. But I, just to go back to number eight, because I don't want to not answer that question. I think that there are, when you look at number eight overall, I think Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, mm-hmm. I think Miles Murphy from Clemson, I think Lucas Van Ness from Iowa, those are probably the three that most people would put after Alabama's Will Anderson. Because we don't think that Will Anderson is going to be there at eight, right? The, the, the class right. is the class is too top heavy especially at those positions for those guys to make it any further than six at the latest. So I don't think that Atlanta is going to have a chance to get either Jalen Carter or Will Anderson unless they're trading up. And at number eight, there's reasons to like those three guys that I mentioned, but you're putting a lot of faith that the best is yet to come for them, right? Tyree yes. Wilson, he's yep. a fifth year player. It's taken him a while for him to, to, to break out. Now he's big. He's six foot, he's six foot six. He's got a six foot, 10 inch, seven foot wingspan, whatever it ends up measuring at the combine. He's a unique player. who you could play at, at uh, five technique. You can kick him inside. He's got a really nice speed to power move, but he's still figuring mm-hmm. out overall as a pass rusher outside of his length. Miles Murphy Really athletic dude. He was one of Bruce Feldman's freak list, six foot five, 275 pounds, and as explosive as can be for a player who is of that size. But he didn't really turn into any production. Clemson's defensive line rotation and their scheme of what they're doing with him didn't mean that he always got to pin his ears back, but I think he's a lot more of a project than people are giving him worth. I think if people just look at the athletic potential and they say, oh, yeah, top 10 pick for sure. But you know, he struggles with the pass rush profile. He struggles in the run game a little bit. So for Miles Murphy, like not to say that he might not be worth it at number eight, but if you draft him at number eight, don't expect a double digit sack season from him in his rookie season. Like it might be a slow burn for him to really become that player that you need him to become. Lucas Van Ness is kind of the same way. He was an interior yeah. defensive lineman for the first two years at Iowa. They kick him out to edge this past year, but he really wasn't even a starter for most of the year. He didn't, he just doesn't have a lot of edge rush snaps underneath his belt. Super powerful mm-hmm. guy, likes that speed to power move. But again, even though that move is deadly for him, he doesn't have a lot else that he goes to. There's just not a pass rush profile to him. There's not years of pass rush work in which he has improved um, that kind of craft. And so all three of those guys, reasons to be optimistic about him. But at eight, yeah, it's just a little bit rich for my blood when I kind of talk about pass rushers for the Falcons. Well, I, I think to highlight or underscore your point, um, I'm looking at a January 30th mock draft that you did. You have Lucas Van Ness, uh, 32nd. <laughs> so, right, I right. I mean, and we're talking about him here as the third person that you're mentioning as, uh, as the guy at number eight. So, yeah, like that's a lot of projection. That's a lot of hoping that he's going to become something. And mm-hmm. maybe it's worth it with a quarterback. Maybe it's worth it if, if you're talking about an Anthony Richardson because the talent at that position is so, so high. But with one of these pass rushers, I mean, you've either got to absolutely destroy the combine like we saw last year with with Trayvon Walker and your traits have to be just like peak, peak, peak. Or, you know, you've got to have the production to go along with the traits because they need you to produce right away. And certainly right. a team like Atlanta does. You can't come in and be part of a rotation like maybe you would be in Philly or San Francisco or something like like the Falcons aren't there. They need a guy. So 
if Edge is not maybe the best value pick, and we know Terry Fontenot has, has said, we're not just going to go for need. We're going to go for a player we think could be a Hall of Famer one day, whether mm-hmm. that's it at a wide receiver where we're loaded or whether that's it edge rusher where we're threadbare. And I just pulled wide receiver out of a hat. Don't come at me and be like, why are they loading a wide receiver? <laughs> but what who fits that bill for you then at number eight if they decide not to go pass rusher? I think it's corner. I think corner is the position mm. that I keep going back to that is a sweet spot for the Falcons at number eight. You know, there's a couple of guys that I think that they could have their eye on that, you know, I've I've read that Terry Fontenot quote where he's he says, We're not we don't we're not gonna force anything. Like we are yeah. trying to build the best football team and we're trying to do it organically. Like we want to pick the best football players, not just the ones that happen to fill short term needs. So the three players that come to mind immediately, especially in the secondary, when I think about that. Devon Witherspoon, one of my favorite players in this entire class, Illinois corner, six feet tall, 180 pounds, but man, is he a phenomenal corner. Um, one of the, one of the best shutdown players that we saw in college football, elite coverage grade, uh, Mike Renner, the lead draft analyst at PFF loves to, to bring up this stat. He gave up one yard when he was in press coverage this year, one, one Jeez. yard. And he had a lot of snaps in press. It's not like he had like two snaps in press. So we only gave up one yard. He had a yeah. lot. This was a dude who played close to the line of scrimmage, man coverage, got in your face. Um, certainly chirped at guys when, uh, when things were going his way, just plays the position with such great aggressiveness, such great emotion. Um, and he's a wonderful shutdown corner. So I think he's an option for him at number eight, uh, Christian Gonzalez as well. He's a, he's built a little bit different. He's about six foot two, 200 pounds, and he moves about as smoothly as you're going to find a corner move for that kind of size, because that's always the give and take of cornerback play, right? You want the bigger corners, yeah, but can they move well enough? Can they cover these NFL receivers? Can they flip the hips? Can they be agile the way that they need to be? Do they have the straight line speed, the recovery speed, all that stuff? I think that Christian Gonzalez definitely has the athleticism. And this past year, he showed that he uh, improved the ball skills as well. So I think that that's going to make him a top 12 lock in this upcoming draft. The third guy that I think is a wild card that isn't getting talked about enough is Brian Branch from Alabama. Brian Branch fits the bill of what Fontenot talks about of we want good football players. And in this class, I mentioned, it's not as sure thing that you know you're going to get a stud at a certain position. Brian Branch is a stud. Brian Branch is one of the easiest scouting reports that you'll do. You're just going to go, yep, uh, great football player. He's a hybrid safety (laughs) nickel defender. He's one of the most reliable nickel defenders in all of college football. Nick Saban trusted him so much to play against some of the best wide receivers that they went up against this past year. I think he has only missed. I think of all the defensive snaps that he has played, which it's gotta be, it's gotta be close to, it's gotta be close to like 2000 snaps. He's played over 1500 snaps. He's played over the last two years. And he's only missed like three tackles, which is, which is just insane. I mean, he's one of the most reliable Falcons need that dude. They were one of worst tackling teams. And and that, and that is, that is why I really do think that Brian branch could be a legit option for them at number eight. So I think that those three players going off of the strength of the class, which I think is secondary, especially corner, the strength of the players that I named, and then also thinking about how the Falcons do not want to press a need over talent or the right player makes Mm -hmm. me feel like all three of those are on the board for them at number eight. And they've definitely said that, you know, they will address kind of need more in free agency where you've got a direct one-to-one. Your pro scouts have also been involved and you've got the college data and you've got the NFL data and you can kind of say, hey, look, 
we need this guy because we've got a huge need here. And we know for a fact that we're 80%, you know, 99% confident, however, instead of like 40% and projecting. Mm-hmm. So the two guys, because obviously with Ryan Nielsen now coming over as defensive coordinator, Terry Fondo's connection to the Saints as well. You look at, you know, some former, uh, one former Saint CJ Gardner-Johnson and a, and a former Saint Mark Davenport, two kind of areas here that, you know, a secondary, a safety hybrid right. guy who can move around, who chirps, who's like fun. And then Mark Stavenport, who the Saints obviously traded up to get, that didn't really work out, but he's not been bad. Like he's a good pass sure. rusher and he's better than anything the Falcons have or have probably brought in in the last couple of years. You know, how does Brian Branch fit in compared to like CJ Gardner? Is he more of like a Tyron Matthew type? Is he more of like a, a Derwin James or is he more like kind of that big nickel that Nick Saban and Kirby Smart like to use? No, I think that, I mean... CJ Gardner Johnson is is probably the closer comp that I like because Matthew they Matthew in a lot of points of his career like they let him play single high like they let him roam like yeah. Matthew's just so smart that they just put him in space and they were like go find the ball like go go to where mm-hmm. the ball is going to so that's not quite it Derwin James is used as much as he is a, as a as a as a nickel defender like they'll use him blitzing they'll use him yeah, man up against he's tight a ends true Swiss so, Army knife. Right. So he's, he's, I, I don't think Brian Branch is that versatile like Derwin is, but I think that the Gardner Johnson comps are good because there was a long time there where they were just using, I think New Orleans specifically, they were really just using CJ Gardner Johnson like as a slot defender. And that's, mm-hmm. that's basically what Brian Branch is. I think his label is technically going to be safety, but he's a nickel defender. Like he's just, he's going to play in the nickel, he's going to play in the slot. Um, you can get creative with how you use your safeties behind him, but that's how I would see him be used. That's that's where he was most effective for Alabama. That's where they wanted him to be. It allowed him to, because Nick Saban knows where football is going, right? He, shoot, I mean, he's done it himself. You watch these teams and it's not just that the third best wide receiver on the team is playing in the slot. No, I mean, like you're, you're moving your wide receiver one into the slot at times and you have to have a player that is then comfortable guarding yeah. that kind of a talented wide receiver it, while also understanding what it's like to play in space, knowing yep. that the wide receiver, because like a lot of times these outside two receivers, goes, yeah. right, exactly. The two way goes and, and, and where they could be. And, and the, what that means with the two way go is think about an outside wide, think about an outside cornerback for an outside cornerback. The sideline is their best friend. It's an extra defender. There's only so far a wide receiver can go. So often, especially when you're playing with outside leverage on a wide receiver, you are forcing them inside. So you only mm-hmm. have a one-way go. You're only There's only one way to go. You can't go the other way because that sideline is there and you're playing it well with how you're aligned and the leverage that you use and all that kinds of stuff. When you were playing in, a, in the slot, there's more space to deal with. The wide receiver could go left or they could go right at any time, at any depth. And defending that is an art. And mm-hmm. I think that Brian Branch just understands it very, very well. He has that confidence to understand it very, very well. And that's why I think that he's going to be one hell of a player in the NFL as well. That's a great selling point. Um, you know, I, I do think you think of outside corner and they're obviously the big names and they're incredibly athletic, And but it is like technical. It's kind of like trust your training and just, you know, don't even pay attention to the quarterback. Don't pay attention to play. Stay in this guy's hip pocket, run him to the boundary, like get your head back to the ball when he shows his hand, like little things like that. When you're, yeah, get that two way go. It's so much more reactive, instinctive. You have to Mm -hmm. be twitchy, but also really smart and like, just know. So 
if they can get somebody like that, all on board. A um, couple more questions for you. Quarterback, obviously, big talking point going into last year's draft for Atlanta. If Desmond Ritter was in this class, where do you think he would stack up? He's certainly, you know, below the the top, top tier. He's probably below an Anthony Richardson. But mm-hmm. is that gap a big enough for the Falcons to seriously, in your opinion, need to consider taking a Will Levis if he's there or, you know, a CJ Stroud because that talent gap is so much better? Or like, should is there anybody else later on in the draft that you think could just give Desmond Ritter as much a push, but that's probably not worth it because you don't want to split up the reps. So is there anybody you think is such a clear upgrade over Desmond Ritter that they should take him? So I had Desmond Ritter as my QB one last year. Now, granted, I I didn't think that it was the strongest quarterback class, but I thought that he was the most polished of the bunch. I think that he could be a good starting NFL quarterback. All that to say, I draft Anthony Richardson if at eight, Right. (laughs) Because when you look at Arthur Smith and what he does with the run game, like there's there's unless you're trading for Lamar Jackson, like there's nobody better. There's going to be nobody better for that scheme and what they want to do, how to truly make a defense think that they're a threat to run the ball in every single play. Anthony Richardson Mm -hmm. is an unreal talent with his legs, but also he's got an unbelievable arm. If you put him in an Arthur Smith offense, I think that he does incredibly well. We saw how they were able to revive what Ryan or I don't even want to say revive just get the best out of Ryan Tannehill in efficiency with it with the play action with motion with yep. um read option stuff and that was with Ryan Tannehill like Ryan Tannehill's a good athlete Anthony Richardson's an incredible athlete so I, Anthony Richardson should absolutely be on the board I, I think quarterback <laughs> evaluation is always tough right especially on the outside I'm not there watching him get better every day at practice. I'm not right. there yep. getting to know him. I don't know. I don't know the, the work ethic. And I'm not yeah. saying any of this to like question it. I'm just saying that when you are evaluating whether or not to upgrade at quarterback, like the, the Justin Fields talk is the same way with the bears picking number one overall. Yes. Yep. I, I, I don't know Justin Fields well enough because in order to truly judge quarterbacks, you have to know everything about them. You have to be in the building and watch them and interact with them and all that stuff. So if the Falcons love Desmond Ritter, like if they think that he can absolutely be a playoff caliber quarterback for you, pick somebody else. That's fine. But if yeah. you're on the fence at all and this incredibly gifted quarterback that fits your system very, very well is on the board for you at eight, you should probably pick him because the swing at that bat is mm-hmm. a is a home run potential where all of these other picks might be really good. Brian Branch might be a really nice double for you. You know, you if you hit on one of these <laughs> pass rushers, maybe yeah. it becomes an inc- a great triple for you. If you hit on Anthony Richardson in Arthur Smith's type of offense, it's a it is a home run, no question about it. So that's that to answer your question there with quarterback. Bryce Young's not going to be there. Uh, at no. least I, I hope to God he's not, or else the NFL, <laughs> I think, is, is crazy. Or they really, really hate small dudes. Right, like right. Uh, I don't think C.J. Stroud's going to be there either. I really don't. There's too, there's too many uh, teams that need, that, that need a quarterback. Um, Will Levis is kind of a wild card. Like Right now, we think that Will Levis has a, has a shot at the top five, but who knows when it's all said and done where he's end up ending up going to end up going. But if Richardson's on the board for you at eight, I'd probably take him if I was the Falcons. 
I mean, the Falcons want to, they want to run the ball and then they want to throw the ball over the top behind defenses. And, you know, I, I think it's, it, it's so funny because uh, JT O'Sullivan, the QB school did a breakdown on like, I think he did a couple on Anthony Richardson. And there's a couple of plays where it's like, he misses the running back on like a, a swing pass and just dirts mm-hmm. it. And like nobody, and it's, it's kind of like, I, you know what, put him in this offense. He doesn't need to throw five yard swing passes. Let's just <laughs> chuck it deep nine routes. Let's go Cincinnati Bengals and then run the ball and then chuck it deep and then run the, so uh, you know, again, great sales pitch. Uh, I, I do think, though, that the Desmond Ritter, like Arthur Smith or Arthur Blank and Arthur Smith have both voiced, uh, you know, their support for him. I, I think it's more likely they bring in a veteran guy, one of the many, many available, even maybe Ryan Tannehill and kind of like do that again with a better Marcus Mariota, but also mm-hmm. a better Desmond Ritter. Uh, just because year three, they need to make something happen. Um, all right. So is there anybody that you think that could move up that we're not, to, you know, I mentioned Lucas Van Ness being 32 and now we're talking about him potentially as, as top eight or top 10, but that'd be a reach. Is there anybody that you think legitimately could climb here in the next couple of months as we get the combine, somebody who could stand out who has those traits that maybe we look at them in a different light as these months unfold. And, and it's kind of like, all right, this guy is becoming a clear mover up the board. Are you saying like ju- like for the Falcons specifically? Yeah, maybe somebody who can move into that range. So maybe somebody who's like 15, 16, who has a couple of good uh, pro day combine, nails his interviews, and it's like he starts getting some top 10 buzz. I suppose Joey Porter Jr. might be able to, outside of the guys that we've already named, because I really do yeah. think that those are a lot of ones that, um, that are going to be on their radar. I suppose mm-hmm. Joey Porter Jr., I know a lot of people like him as a potential top 10, or sorry, top 20 pick right now. The cornerback from Penn State, obviously, Joey Porter, senior son, the longtime linebacker for the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers. So he's got that NFL legacy to him. He's a big, long man coverage press type of corner who, shoot, maybe he runs extremely well in Indianapolis. And, and you see a lot of athleticism there from him, too, and that he's he's able to move up. But um, I mean, I think I think that's probably about it. Like. People would talk about Bijan Robinson. Like I, I, I think that a lot of people love yeah. Bijan potentially in an Arthur Smith offense. But like, as somebody who had Tyler Algier as RB three last year and who is just reveling in how good he has <laughs> been for the Falcons, like I'm not going to bring myself. They don't need to sniff it yeah. to say that they, they just don't. For as good as as Brian or Bijan Robinson is, I don't think they need to. But I, I feel like that's. I mean, maybe Kalijah Kansi. From Pittsburgh, the interior defensive lineman there, but you know, Kansi's more of a speed one gap guy that they have in yeah. Jared, anyways. And maybe if they're like looking to move on from Jared really soon, you draft Kansi. But nah. I can't, I can't see the NFL drafting Kalijah Kansi at eight, even as much <laughs> as I like him in this interior defensive line class. I can't, I don't know. That'd if be I a can really shallow defensive, yeah, defensive line group. <laughs> So that's, I mean, that's probably about it. I mean, if you flip over to the offensive side, the only thing that I could really see Atlanta being tempted by is one of the offensive tackles, like mm-hmm. a Broderick Jones, a Peter Skaronsky, a Paris Johnson Jr. Like if they really want to get better up front and just add to the offensive line, maybe one of those guys at number eight, but probably not over the defenders that we've already kind of mentioned here. Yeah, I mean, I think landing landing a really, really good number two corner who like could be a number one corner on, on some other offenses or yeah. an elite nickel guy in today's NFL, the way it's heading, like mm-hmm. that upside is probably still higher than, you know, hitting a, on a left guard or, or getting a tackle sliding. In there. right. And there's your starting five that have that pedigree. Like 
yeah, I think the defense needs help. Last one. Um, if anybody out there wants to just kind of take it upon themselves, go on YouTube, watch some of these guys. Is there any starting advice that that you would give when somebody's trying to scout college tape that doesn't necessarily, and I know it varies position by position, but just any general advice? Yeah, um, I've been spoiled because PFF has a video database that I have not, that I've been able to use over the last couple of years. So I haven't dabbled in the YouTube tape as much <laughs> over the last couple of years, but I will say that um, back in, you know, 2015, 2016, when I was kind of like really trying to start to do this as a, for a living or full time, if you will, um, I go to YouTube and it's, it's, it's kind of simple. You just type in a prospect's name and then VS versus that's it. Like 100%. type in, like type in, um, Charles McDonald verse. Right, right, exactly. Like something versus Was whatever. Char- no, it, Will McDonald. I- Will McDonald. Also, cha- also <laughs> shout out, shout out to- for Charles McDonald. But exactly. <laughs> I, he might have some tape out there too. I know he played football back in the day. I but- scrubbed that. He scrubbed it from the internet, I checked. <laughs> so that's what, I w- that's what I would tell you to do is I would tell you to go to YouTube and just try to, look, it's going to be broadcast tape. I know. And every, everybody always asks me, hey, how do I get my hands on College All-22? Unfortunately, it's kept pretty close to the vest. Yep. You, you kind of got to know somebody to know somebody if you even find college 22, but or college all 22. But I, the way that I think everybody in the draft internet media started is just simply going to YouTube, watching a lot of these broadcast tapes. And even if you can't find cutups to these players, a lot of schools put their full games on YouTube. Now, yes, a lot of these yeah. conferences do that anyway. So is it a little bit more annoying because you don't have the play after play after play after play? Yes. Yeah. But if you really want to get involved in it, there are ways to do it on YouTube to go look at what to go watch the film. And in terms of evaluating, just kind of trust your gut, trust your eyes, like, yeah, confident I, in what you see. Yeah. And I, I would say that, like, you're, of course, you're always going to continue to learn. Like, I, I, I yeah. learn stuff every single process. Like, I'm, I'm learning stuff at this point in the process. Uh, during the summer parts of the year, I try to make a note to go back and watch a lot of like coaching clinics. Cause there's also coaching clinics like, uh, mm-hmm. coach tube is a place where you can, you, you can find a lot of those. There's a lot of other websites that have them. Some are free, some you got to purchase, but a, a lot of times the purchase ones are, are, are really worth it. Cause these guys know what they're talking about, but it just helps you understand how teams and certain players win at the position, what you are looking yeah. for, where you want the hands to be. What you say like, oh, his technique's got to get better. Okay, well, what do you mean about his technique? What do you mean about the hand placement? Where do you want it to go? And more importantly than that, why? You learn a lot of the why of, of all of these things when you're watching a coaching clinic and they're explaining it to you. Like a lot of times you'll see like, oh, uh, like for example, I watched uh, Joe Thomas's um film review with Brian Baldinger on uh, NFL films. And it's just like a YouTube clip. And he talks about like hand placement and how one of the hands goes on the inside of the chest and the other hand actually goes on the outside of the other arm. And he's like, why do you do that? And he's like, well, I do that because then if I put, if I get my hands in those situations, they can't break my grip in any way. And they also can't turn me in any way. They don't have any power over me. And I was like, Hmm. damn, okay. Like, that's great. You know, like we always, we always hear about like, Oh, get the hands inside. That's how you get the leverage. That's how you get the control. But then Thomas was switching it up a little bit for guys who wanted to attack his outside shoulder of where he would put his hand and how he would control you. And you learn about the why certain things happen the way that they do. And it just helps uh, kind of evolve you in that way. I mean, I would say that certainly when it comes to learning how to scout, you're, you're never going to, stop learning how to scout. Um, that's something that you just got to have yeah. a, a passion for to, to really reach out. in. but those are some ways that I've found, um, really good tips, at least to start off. 
Well, I think that we have uh, found the why as in why you are a rising star in this industry, um, because <laughs> this was all incredible. Trevor, I really appreciate it. Um, you want to plug your stuff? What you got going on? Yeah. Um, kind words. Will. I really appreciate that. But yeah, anybody out there who wants to follow along with my draft shenanigans, youtube.com backslash at NFL stock exchange. If anybody out there listening to this used to listen to the stock exchange on the PFF channel, we have switched. Now we have our own channel. We're trying to like streamline our draft content a little bit more. So we have our own specific NFL stock exchange, YouTube channel, myself, Connor Rogers. Um, we're going through the entire draft class. We're going through player rankings. We're going through mock drafts. We're going through all sorts of scenarios of what teams might do picking at certain spots, trading back, trading up, all that good stuff. So check it out. We'd love to uh, hang out with you guys and uh, talk some draft. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was really, uh, I hope, very helpful. I found it extremely helpful. Um, so best of luck throughout draft season. Maybe we'll uh, we'll check in with you one more time before all is said and done, but this has been a real treat. Appreciate it, Will. Anytime, my friend. That will do it for today's show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks again to Trevor for that awesome draft download. If you guys enjoy the show, please uh, tell everybody about it. You guys are really the lifeblood of, of helping this thing grow. Big things are happening here at Believe. Uh, Ovi and I are talking a lot. We've got some great ideas for the show, some some big ideas, but really it it all starts with you. So let your friends, your family, if, if you got a Falcons fan in your life, let them know that they can find us on their preferred podcast platform. It would really mean a lot to us. Uh, subscribe, leave a review if, if you feel like we've done a great job. If you don't, leave a review. We want to know. Uh, feel free always to email us at believeinfalcons at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Ovi Mihaly 34 Follow me at Will McFadden. Next week, the plan is to have Tori McElhaney of the team's official site to check in before heading off to Indianapolis for the combine. We'll get a little bit of a state of the union on what the Falcons, you know, expect to accomplish in free agency in the draft and really just kind of where they are as they head into a really big third offseason. So please stay tuned to the feed next Wednesday for that conversation um, and throughout the season. Again, please spread the word if you like it. Today's podcast was, as always, presented by Bet Online. That'll do it for this week. We'll see you guys soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.